So we are in part four of our series called Journey Through the Bible. We are trying to build Rome in seven weeks. Um, and by what I mean by that is we are journeying through six, the 66 books of the Bible over seven weeks. Yes, it is Mission Impossible, but we're trying our best. All right. So um, if you have um, version on your phone, you are more than welcome to get the notes on, on there. There's some notes that you can follow along, and then you can also save it as well. Don't forget to save. Awesome. So we're going to have a bit of fun this morning just before I dive into it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to mention a line from a movie. And when you know the movie, you just shout it out. Okay. So don't hold back on me now. Now you've got to shout that movie out if you know it. All right. So the first line is, life is like a box of chocolates. Come on. Awesome. All right. I am your father. Come on, CJ's going to be very proud. All right, um, a martini, shaken, not stirred. So I'm just saying like, what? Like, I just said like a crowd of like everything. Yes, James Bond, 007. All right, nobody puts baby in the corner. Come on, all the ladies. Woo! Okay, you're going to need a bigger boat. What? No, man. You're going to need a bigger boat. Jaws. Okay, one person. It's great, Jaws. Actually, that's a bit of a scary movie, so I understand that if no one, no one ever wants to swim after Jaws. Okay, I'll be back. Come on, awesome. Okay, Houston, we have a problem. Okay, it took a while, but okay, okay, okay. Say hello to my little friend. Come on, come on, someone's got to know it. Come on, thank you, thank you, thank you. Scarface, Scarface. And the last one is Toto. I've got a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Here we go. I feel like the, she knows what's, what's, what's going on. Movie lovers, come on, somebody. It's amazing. Awesome. So um, journeying through the Bible, sometimes, you know, if, if we look at the Bible and we look at it, say now, as a movie, all right, sometimes there are those few little lines or, you know, um, little messages that, that, that come up and we know, oh, my word, like I know, you know, what book that's from or something. So sometimes we, we can look at the Bible as a movie. So to, to give you an example of two maybe, um, you know, movie quotes from the movie Bible, um, you know, we see Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, plans, I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then we see Isaiah 41, which is, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I'll strengthen you and, and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. So those are just two of a few one-liners that, that we know from the Bible. I'm pretty sure if I were to ask you, you would give me at least one well-known little bumper sticker fridge magnet verse um, that, that we all can kind of pick out of the Bible. And, um, but what's very interesting is that do we know the context? Do we know the history? Do we know why God was saying that? Do we know what the people were facing? Probably not. But this actually changes our whole mindset, our whole perspective on one particular scripture if we just know the context. And so this morning, I've got the daunting task of taking you through the prophetic books. All right, the prophetic books. So we've got major and minor 
prophetic books. But just before we get inside, I really just feel as though when we dive into the prophetic books, we're actually diving into God's heart. Because God is speaking in his, I mean, we, we, we dive into his mercy, his love, his forgiveness, how he gives numerous chances um, for people to actually repent and follow him. So let's look at the prophetic books. There's 16 prophetic books in the Old Testament. We've got four major prophets and 12 minor prophets. Now, the difference between major and minor is not significance. So the majors are more significant or the minors are not that important, you know, shame. No, no, no. It's not that at all. The major prophets just have longer books. And the minor prophets are short, quick reads. And that's literally the only difference. And so... Our major prophets, we have Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, and Ezekiel. Our minor prophets, we've got Hosea, Joel, Obadiah, Jonah, Habakkuk, Amos, Micah, Nahum, Zephaniah, Malachi, Haggai, and Zechariah. I don't know if God really loved ayahs at the end of names. So for today, my name will be Martiniah, just because we are in the prophetic books. We might as well dive deeper and change all our names and add an ayah at the end. That's all. We've got Sam, Samiah and Jer- oh, Aaliyah, Aaliyah. I don't know. Okay, we can just change our names and add ayah to the end. It clearly meant something. So who were, who were the prophets? All right, who were the prophets? So sometimes when we think of a prophet, we think of these people sitting with their little crystal balls, their tarot cards, kind of predicting the future, telling you what not to do or what's going to happen. You're going to meet your Prince Charming on the streets of Fourth Avenue at this time. He's going to be wearing this. You know, like that's what we think prophets um, were. But, but in, in the Bible, this isn't kind of who they were, all right? So who prophets actually were is they were Israelites who were called by God to speak on behalf of him. There were about a hundred, there were hundreds of prophets um, in Israel, but only 16 spoke, were chosen to spoke oracles. And oracles is the message of God. So only 16 were, were chosen to speak oracles and were then collected into books, which is what we have today in, in our Old Testament, in our Bibles. So in the prophetic books, we don't actually hear a lot from the, from the prophets themselves, but we hear from God through the prophets. And there were also prophets that were self-appointed. You know, um, you know, I'm going to appoint myself to go preach the good news of, uh, you know, of God. Like, like you had those people, and they were considered false prophets. And it was actually punishable by law to be a false prophet. You couldn't just go preach on behalf of God. Um, you 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 had to be called by Him, and so that was actually punishable by law, which I find very interesting. So. Who were prophets and why did God send prophets? Prophets cared about the mutual partnership, so the mutual covenant between Israelites and God. That's what they cared about. And so when when we see God rescuing the Israelites from Egypt, taking them out of slavery, and we, we see God bringing them into be a nation, of justice and generosity to show God's character to other nations. That was the covenant. And so this required the the Israelites to put their trust in God and their full allegiance in God and Him alone. 
But what we see actually happening was that the leaders, the kings, and the priests of that time actually led the people astray. And they actually started um, breaking this covenant or violating the terms to this covenant. And that's why God raised up prophets to bring a message to the Israelites to reinstall them um, back to the covenant between Israel and between God. So the prophets reminded these Israelites in, in three ways. The first way was with accusations. So this basically means were, uh, is that prophets would see that they were guilty of something, they brought, and they brought it to the light. They, they brought it to their attention. Like they were guilty of something, prophets brought it to their attention. You have been violating in terms of this covenant. What is going on? Like you, uh, the, with the way they violated this, this, this covenant were through things of idolatry, alliances with, with other nations and their gods, and allowing injustice towards the poor. So you can actually call prophets almost like these covenant lawyers. They were trying to keep the covenant between Israel Israelites and God and try to keep them not from violating um, this covenant. So there was accusation. Then there was repentance. All right. So this is when prophets actually called um, um, people, the, the Israelites, back to God, saying, listen, if you just repent, which is the most life-giving word of the Bible, it literally just means to turn away from the violations, from the life you've been living, and follow God. That's all repentance means. It's the most life-giving word. And so the Israelites, I mean, so, so the prophet says to the Israelites, if you just repent, if you just turn away, if you just confess and come back to God, hey, he's faithful, he's just, he will take you back, and you, he will be in, in, in relationship with you. You just need to repent. So then we see the repentance. Then we see the um, prophets re- reminding the Israelites about something called the day of the Lord. And this was basically a consequence for their sin. So it was the punishment. It was the judgment. And so some of you might be thinking, Martin, is this when the world ends, Jesus coming back, and now it's eternal, the final judgment? Is, is that it? No, no, no. Back then, there was something called the day of the Lord, which was judgment, but it's not the final judgment. It was something that that happened that punished the Israelites for not coming back to God, coming back in, in, into covenant. So, and I'll explain it a bit later, but, but, but for example, in, in the north, um, in, in Israel in the north, which we'll explain just now, um, they were actually sent into exile. That was their day of the Lord, where that was their punishment. That was their judgment. So it was considered death. Exile was considered death back then. And um, so that's basically what the day of the Lord meant. And this is why, um, God raised up prophets to accuse, to um, call them to repentance, and to remind them about the day of the Lord. So, getting into a bit of the history of um, the prophetic books is very important. We've, we've got to understand the context. We've got to understand why God sent these prophets, what was happening in the kingdoms that, that God needed to send these prophets. And so I want to talk about what actually happened and how do we actually read the prophetic books? Because to be completely honest, it can be very confusing if, if we don't understand a few things to, to help us along. And so I'm kind of going to mush this into one thing just for the sake of time. We do not have five hours. I don't even think it will take five hours. I think it will take like a day. I even think a day is enough to read through all the prophetic or to go through all the prophetic books. But um, so what actually happened? Let me, let me paint you the picture. Let me bring you up to speed. So 
God rescues Israelites from Egypt out of slavery, right? Now they've gone to the Red Sea and the wilderness, and they've conquered Jericho, and they've done all these things. And, you know, now they are in Israel. This is their promised land. This is their covenant land between them and God. This, the land of prosperity, like this was the land, all right? This, this, was, the, this was it. Like, this was, this was awesome. If anyone tried to come into their land and destroy them, God would destroy those people. Like, you couldn't mess with Israel, all right? That was their promised covenant land. And then what we see, and the map's going to come up now, is that there was a divide, between Israel. So there was a divide between the southern, which became the southern and the northern parts, all right? So what actually happened, we read this in 1 Kings 12, which you can refer back to also the um, the podcast on the um, history books. Um, but what happened was the north rebelled against the south, and the civil war kind of broke out. And so 10 tribes were... Um, at the top in the northern kingdom, which were then called Israel. And then we have two tribes in the southern kingdom that were called Judah. Does that make sense? All right. So what we see happening is that there were, diff- um, there were specific prophets to the different kingdoms. So not all the prophets went all over the place. They were divided into their kingdoms. So we have the southern tribe prophets, which is Obadiah, Joel, Isaiah, Micah, Jeremiah, Zephaniah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Ezekiel, Daniel, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Then we have our northern tribe prophets, which were Amos, Jonah, and Hosea. So God had called prophets to both Judah and Israel because he wanted to warn them that if they didn't confess their sin and come back into covenant um, with him, that they will experience the day of the Lord, which is what we know as that punishment, that that um, judgment to those who have sinned. So before we get into a bit of the prophets, um, you know, sometimes we, we read in paragraphs, right? But when we read the prophetic books, we need to think oracles, which is a message of God. Okay. We should write a test after this. Hey? We should write a test. I felt like I was preparing for an assignment when I was doing this. this me- but you know what's interesting, and I'm totally like getting sidetracked now, is for an assignment, you can kind of take like shortcuts, for this, I was like, oh, flip. Can't tell people, like, wrong stuff. <laughs> Can't take shortcuts to this. I'm going to read everything, which was very annoying. Anyways, I'm joking. It was awesome. So we need to think oracles, which is <laughs> the message of God, all right? So there were forms that were used in the prophetic books, okay? So some of these forms were um, the lawsuit, which is where God is portrayed as a prosecuting attorney or judge in a court case um, against the defendant, which was Israel. Then we see the promise, so like a Salvation oracle, which is, um, we will see this when there's a reference to the future, a radical change or blessing. Then there's a woe, the, the, the woe, which is actually the ancient word that the Israelites used when facing di- um, disaster, when facing death. It was almost like an announcement of death. Then there's something called the enactment prophecy. And this one I actually really love is because God actually, um, God told the prophets to, to, to speak on behalf of him, so, so give them a message, and then God would give them a symbolic action, so a visual aid to accompany the message to reinforce what he meant. So that's quite interesting. 
God's actually a very creative God, that he would give visual aids. Then the last one is the messenger speech. And this we see all over the prophetic books. There's not enough space on a slide to reference all the scriptures. Because this means, this is what the Lord says, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord concerning, or declares the Lord, or God's decree. or you know. So, so basically, that is saying that the prophet is not speaking, God is speaking. And so it's reminding them that it's actually God speaking. So you can take that as gold. God is speaking. It's important. So let's look at the northern tribe prophets. So Israel. Guys with me. We've got Israel. We've got Judah. Northern, southern. Everyone cool? All right. Northern tribe prophets. Israel. We see the Israelites turning away from God and falling into sins such as idolatry, oppression of the poor, and complacency. So this is where we find Amos and Hosea. These were prophets that were called to minister before the exile. And I'm going to get there just now. During this time in the north, there was an era of peace and prosperity. And the, the, the north always had this, this fear or this threat that the Assyrians would, come, would, would invade their land and, and take them out, basically. So then we see Jonah, who tried to run from God. Didn't really work out well for him. He then got swallowed into the belly of a fish and then got spat out into land and then because, all because he didn't want to go to Nineveh, which was the city in Assyria, right? And so he eventually went to Nineveh, spoke a five-word message. That generation um, got, you know, came back to God. And so then you see the northern kingdom going, okay, okay, we can chill for a little bit. Yeah, it's fine, it's fine. So there was no threat then for a while for the Assyrians to kind of invade their, their, their land. Okay, so Jonah did a big part there, even though he didn't want to. Um, so Amos and Isaiah were the last chance prophets of Israel. So they were warning them of what God would actually be forced to do if they didn't turn back um, to him. So in this nation, we see the rich getting richer, the poor getting poorer. There were financial scandals, bribery, corruption. There were no justice in the courts. There was soon to be a seven-day trading just to make more money. This was very materialistic. There was sexual looseness. Alcohol consumption grew. Um, They became interested in the faith of other nations. And eventually, after all the warnings from Hosea and Amos, the day of the Lord came when the Assyrians invaded the land and deported them, and they went into exile. So you might think, and, 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 and we'll get there just now when we look at the southern prophets, but um, that was their death. That was it. Like there was no turning back. There was, they were not seen again. They were not heard from again. That was their exile because Amos and Isaiah brought the message of God. They didn't confess. They didn't come back to God. They didn't come back to covenant. Well, they were exiled. The day of the Lord came. So that's the northern tribe. Then we go into the southern tribe. Now, obviously, the southern tribes have way more prophets. Um, so I'm going to fly by them and wet in your taste buds to go into it a bit deeper. I know a few taste buds can get wetened, but I'll just go with it for now. But my taste buds were wetened when I went through these books. So I hope your taste buds are going to be wetened to go through it. I even bought a new Bible. Now I've got two study Bibles. This one's a bit more, you know, 
fluffy. It's nice. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged now to even go into these prophets a little bit more to find out. Um, yeah, exactly. So let's start with Obadiah, all right? He was actually one of the first prophets um, to speak on behalf of God. It's the shortest book in the Old Testament. So if you don't know where to start, start with Obadiah. It's 27 verses. It'll take you half an hour. I don't even know if it'll take you that long. Okay, so if you don't know where to start, start with Obadiah, shortest book in the Old Testament. And Obadiah actually spoke to um, um, the the Edomites. And these were people that, that, uh, it was was a neighboring nation to to Israel. And these were people that were indifferent and defiant to God. And they were also filled with a lot of pride and cowardness, all right? So we also see that Obadiah ministered before the exile. And um, all of those guys ministered before the exile. Then you've got Ezekiel, Daniel, during, and Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi after the exile. So I'm going to get into that just now because the northern tribe were, were exiled, but the southern tribe was a bit different. But I'm going to explain that just now. And so then we see Joel. Joel came after Obadiah and once again saw a nation falling into the sin of self-centeredness, idolatry, becoming complacent. And so Joel actually came along to warn people of God's judgment for a lifestyle like this. Then we go into Isaiah, one of the greatest prophets, spoke to Judah, Israel, and surrounding nations to repent and come back to God. And in this book, we actually see how God speaks um, his judgment as well as give hope as he unfolds God's promise of future blessing through the Messiah. It's a collection of different prophecies made over 40 years. So Isaiah ministered under quite a few kings that we find in 1 and 2 Kings. And um, this book is, is not in chrono- chronological order, but it has two distinct parts. The, the first part focuses a lot on um, bad news, such as discipline and disaster, as well as good news, such as a remnant, which is a coming king who will bring um, peace, and, um, peace to the nations, return after exile to go back to their land, and rejoicing. Um, so it was good news and bad news. Then part two is actually focused on giving a picture of God. And it actually um, gives a portion on the coming Messiah as well as the Holy Spirit. So when we read Isaiah, we can, we can get a view, a, a full view almost of, 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 of what's happening. So that's a great book to read. Just to give you an example of a lawsuit form. Um, in Isaiah 3, we see the Lord takes his place in court and presents his case against people. So that's in Isaiah 3. Then we see in Isaiah 20, um, an enactment prophecy. So um, what is that? That's visual aids. Remember that. So God actually asked Isaiah to take off the burlap you have been wearing, remove your sandals. Isaiah did as he was told and walked around naked and barefoot. Okay, now not naked completely, as in like he walked in his underwear for three years. No, it's funny now. I don't think it was funny back then. But this poor guy walked in his underwear for three years just to give a symbolic action or a visual aid that accompanied the message that God wanted to um, get through to his people. And so that's where we see an enactment prophecy. Then just an example of the messenger speech, which we see throughout the prophetic books in Isaiah 38. It says, this is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order. You're going to die. You'll not recover from this illness. Okay, once again, context. Don't just take that as it is. But you will see messenger speech all over the prophetic books. Then we see, then we go into Micah. Okay, Micah was a cool prophet. 
He was awesome. He ministered in the southern tribes, as we know, um, under a king called King Jothan. Now, King Jothan was a very bad guy. He encouraged worship of Canaanite gods. So he wasn't a he wasn't a cool guy. So you can imagine why Micah was raised up to kind of um, um, minister at this time. He saw bribery among the judges, um, uh, um, exploitation of the powerless, covetedness, greed, cheating, violence and cruelty. Crime was on the increase. Landlords were stealing from the poor, evicting widows and orphans and putting them on the streets. Corruption in businesses, rich people abusing the poor. And we actually see that Micah had a heart for social justice. Micah saw people getting treated really badly and it burdened him. He wanted to do something about it. He had a heart for social justice. Then we get into Jeremiah. I love Jeremiah. Just an example of the promise form. In Jeremiah 31, it says, In that day, says the Lord, I'll be the God of all families of Israel, and they'll be with my people. This is what the Lord says. So there's a messenger speech. This is what the Lord says. Those who survive the coming destruction will find blessings. There's a promise there. There's a promise. This really helps when we're reading the prophetic books. So we actually see God reaching to his people with kindness, love, giving them hope um, that all people who put their trust in him will be restored. What I love about Jeremiah, is probably one of my favorite um, prophetic books, is that he was around about the age of 17 when God called him in chapter 1. That he actually said to God, God, I'm too young to speak. Like, I can't do this. And God said, no, no, I'm going to give you words. Like, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to go with you. And so Jeremiah had this, had, had something about him that was very special. He didn't give up. And what I mean by didn't give up is that his life was threatened. He was persecuted for his message um, time and time again. People were apathetic to his message. People ignored him. And so he went through these things of like, am I even called? Like, was what happened in chapter one all this blur? Like, was, was this all real? And so we fast forward to Jeremiah um, 20, where it's actually titled Jeremiah's Complaint. And he was complaining to God, saying, listen, yeah, I've been oppressed. This is happening. No one's listening to me and this and that and that. And then we see in verse 9 where, where he says, and this is so encouraging for me, he says, but if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I just can't do it. What Jeremiah shows me is that he had this endurance. No matter what he faced, he was convinced about God and the love that he had for his people. And so no matter what he was going through, he remained faithful. He felt like a failure, but he was actually a success because of how faithful he was to the cause of God. And so that I just find absolutely encouraging. So I want to encourage you, go and read Jeremiah. Absolutely incredible, incredible book. Gives so much hope. Um, yeah, it's such, it's such a great book. Zephaniah urged people to snap out of their complacency and come to the Lord. So that was pretty simple. Nahum is actually very closely linked with Jonah. 
So even though Nahum was a southern tribe prophet, he um, actually ministered in Nineveh, which is where Jonah was a hundred years earlier. And so the book of Nahum actually shows the destruction of Nineveh. It shows God's wrath um, as he avenges sin and, and brings about justice. So we see a bit of a different side to, to God in this book, where we actually see him doing something about um, sin, and, and, and we see a bit of his anger, which is a very interesting side to see. Then we see Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Now, people don't know if it's Habakkuk or Habakkuk. So I think we should take a poll. I'm joking. We're not going to do that now. So we don't know if it's Habakkuk or Habakkuk. I just don't like saying Habakkuk because that sounds weird. So I'll just say Habakkuk. Okay. So Habakkuk, we see the woe form. All right. We see a lot of crying out um, to God. And he... He's actually an incredible prophet because he shows me that you can come to God and not be afraid to ask any questions. He came to God even on behalf of his pe- uh, on behalf of people. Like he came to God and he, he asked questions, questions that sometimes people were too afraid to ask. And that's what I love about um, Habakkuk is that he, he, he came to God burdened with questions um, from what he was seeing in the world. He saw a dying world, and it broke his heart. So he, he asked God, why is there so much evil in the world, and why are you not doing anything about it? And God actually gave Habakkuk this, this um, word and said to him that he's, he is going to punish them using the Babylonians. And this is where we get into the southern tribe exile. So remember what I told you about the Northerns? They were exiled to Assyria, right? Never to be seen again. You guys with me? All right. Now, we don't know why the Northern tribes didn't get kind of like a second chance, even though they got millions of chances before that, and why the Southern tribes got kind of like a second chance in exile. Some might say that the Northerns, just their hearts were so hard, they were almost too far gone that they didn't have this humility to come back um, to God. So God was like, that's it. You guys are exiled after all these millions of chances that Amos and Hosea brought to them. But then we see the southern tribes go into exile, come out after exile because there's post-exile prophets here. So we must see that they had something that was a humility, something like there, there, there was something like a second chance because maybe of their hearts or, or, or where they were at. So God said, okay, we, we're going to try this again. We're going to give you a second chance. So I don't know why God would say in the Northerns, God's sovereignty. He knows something we, we don't know, which is what Moffat said last week. But um, I can only imagine that God did what, what he needed to do because he had the full picture back at that time. Um, so, during the exile on, of the southern prophets, we, we see Daniel and we see Ezekiel. So, Ezekiel, we also see an enactment prophecy, but we won't go into that. But um, Ezekiel's role was to help the exiles understand why they had been taken captive. And he was also called to dispel the hope that it would be a short a short time, and that the exile, um, and that he would actually bring message of hope as well as call people to a new awareness of God. So during this time, the exiles 
lost their hope. They lost their perspective in God. And so God actually gave Ezekiel um, visions that would show God's glory, God's holiness, and, and remind them to come back to God before it was too late. Then we see Daniel. Now, Daniel was a young boy when he's when, when he journeyed out of Judah to the, you know, to the exiled land. And um, it says that he walked 500 miles, which I calculated. And I, I didn't trust my math skills, so I went to Google. So that's 804 kilometers that he had to journey to the exiled land. And it tested his faith. But what I love about Daniel is that Daniel had this unshakable faith in God. He would not do anything of the world like he would bow to God and God alone. That's it. He was persistent in his prayer. He sh- I mean, he shows us how to pray. I mean, we can read that in, in, in Daniel. And I mean, we, we even see how his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Bengo, like were thrown into the fiery furnace because they didn't want to bow down. Daniel didn't want to stop praying. Um, so, so he was thrown into the lion's den. And what happened? God saved him from the lion's den. And so we actually see Daniel had this unshakable faith and the security actually in who God was. That's what he had. When, when, when we read the book of Daniel, we can actually see the security that Daniel had in God. And that we can actually start developing our own security in God and being persistent in, um, in our faith and, and in our prayer. So that was during. That was during the exile. Now let's go after the exile. You guys are doing very well. I'm very proud of you. Woo! I feel like I'm sweating up here. It's like... You guys are amazing. I feel like I'm just like firing out like arrows and you guys are awesome. So afterwards, after this exile, they have returned back to their land and we see Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Now their job was to reinforce the covenants that was lost between Israelites and God. That was their role, to reinforce, to, to kind of bring it back again. And so we see Haggai and Zechariah, post-exile prophets, um, and we see the message bef- before the exile be- being very doom and gloom. I mean, it's all about destruction, and, um, the, and, and, and it just wasn't a great uh, message. But, but afterwards, now in post-exile, we see the message of hope, and we see a message of comfort. And um, they, they, they encourage us because they they, they try to repair the damage to the nation. And so they both encouraged the people to finish rebuilding the temple that had been destroyed. Um, Haggai also called people to complete the um, building of the temple. Um, Haggai also knew what was important and challenged God's people to respond. Um, Zechariah was one of the most messianic of all minor prophets. And messianic means in relating, so relating to Jesus, relating to Christ. So um, he, he actually gave detailed messianic references that were fulfilled in the life of Christ. So he also gave a stirring message of hope to the ex-exiles that the king is coming. So that was so encouraging. Then we see Malachi who spoke to people losing their enthusiasm for worship. People started becoming apathetic and delusioned because of all these messianic um, prophecies in Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Micah had not come true. And Malachi tried to bring that hope to that disillusionment um, and to that apathy. And so we see Malachi ministering to these people. 
So as I bring this to a close, the worship team can come on up. And I actually want to, I, I want to end off with something that I found in all my tireless times of research. Woo! I don't think I've ever read so much in five days ever in my life. And I'm not a reader. I don't like reading. Readers are leaders. Leaders are readers. I try my best. I try my best. I'm just not a, not a fan. I'm not a fan of reading. I've done a lot of reading. So, with that being said, I came along um, to scripture that I want to end this, end this off. And um, just, just before I share that, we see a tragic, broken relationship with God. God loves perfectly and completely. And even so, the covenant was consistently broken following other gods and living for themselves, we see that the breach is not irreparable. All hope is not lost. God can heal, mend, and reweave the fabric. Forgiveness is available, and that is grace. And this was the message of Malachi. And he actually said, and I want to end off with this scripture because I think it's so... I think it's so important to know that this is not what I'm saying. This is the messenger speech. So this is what God is saying to you this morning. He might have meant it to the southern tribes after exile of who Malachi were ministering to. But today, I want to tell you that God is saying this to you. This is God's message. The messenger speech declares the Lord. Now, I, want, I just want you to know that you can take this as gold today. And that in Malachi 1, verse 2 to 3, it says, God said, I love you. In another version, it says, God said, I have always loved you. I've always had love for you. Never stopped loving you. So I want to tell you that this morning, that God is saying to you this morning that He loves you. If you just repent, you know, turn away the most life-giving word, Turn away from maybe the life that you've been living that hasn't been God-honoring and you follow Him. He's going to say, come, 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 come. Let me just give you all my love and all my mercy and forgiveness. I don't care what you've done. Like, I just want you to come back to me. That was God's heart in these prophetic books. He didn't care about what was happening. He just wanted them to come back to Him. He just wanted them to put their trust in God and God alone. And so I believe that God's saying that to you this morning, just come, just come back to me. Just have that heart of humility that says, you know what, God, I'm going to, I'm going to turn back. I'm just going to come to you. 